And now, making their way into the arena, hailing from the great pro wrestling state of Massachusetts, they are the hosts of the Top of the Cage podcast. Here are Bill and Juice. Coming off the Top of the Cage, it is the Top of the Cage podcast. I am Bill joined always by my tag team partner my wrestling confidant justin juice cannon welcome to another new episode of top of the cage where we have one of my favorite interviews, I know if you're an avid listener, you hear me say that like literally every time, because each one's my favorite. I always love them. I think that we have the best guests in the world that join us, and this week we had another top-tier guest join us. We've been on a little APW Atlantic Pro Wrestling run recently, and that continues with this one. It's uh, Mike Gerard, who is the managing partner of APW, and he's a really cool guy. Getting to talk to him, learn more about the inner workings of the business and um i feel like obviously running a wrestling company is a lot harder than a, a, a wrestling podcast but some similar issues that we run into i learned yeah like it's it's very similar like there's been plenty of wrestlers who will get like the yeah i'm definitely interested and it will be like the cool yeah so let's do monday at seven and then we just don't get an answer yeah it's like three days later sometimes even longer than that <laughs> and, and no, we're, we're not specifically calling anybody out. It's just no, no. more of we we want to talk to everybody that will listen to us. So, yeah, no, people are busy. busy. We completely understand. It's just you know that's the life. That's it, it's wrestlers do so much travel, and a lot of them, the indie guys, have full time jobs as well, and they train relationships that like they don't even have. They don't really have free seconds at all. <laughs> so it's tough to you know coordinate with them right right and as we get into a little later with uh mike you know there's definitely a lot of struggles that come with the wrestling world both as a training wrestler and as an owner of a wrestling company and i think that this interview is, is really cool we is the first person that we've talked to that is uh a managing partner owner of a wrestling company and like you said juice it's a lot of different facets of the wrestling world that we've never really gotten into well, it's not the first owner of a wrestling company we talked to, but oh, duh! I'm... <laughs> I think I said that was... in the interview too. Sorry, Chase, that was actually extremely offensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he's not the owner anymore. Not the not the. Uh... Oh, he is still the owner, not the Booker, because that's my boy JT Dunn right there. He's running shit. That's why I forgot. Not for long, bro. <laughs> Well, after I just accidentally buried our first guest, uh, let's get to our most recent guest, who is uh, the great Mike Gerard. What's up, everybody? Here's another interview from Top Cage. I'm Juice, joined by my loyal co-host, Bill. And we got a special guest tonight. We got managing partner of Atlantic Pro Wrestling, Mike Gerard. How you doing tonight, Mike? I'm doing very well, Juice. How are you? I'm, do- I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I think you're only the second person on our show that ever called me Juice, <laughs> besides Bill. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, hey, I respect, uh, you know, hey, that's what you want to be called. That's what I'm going to call you. I mean, I appreciate it. I appreciate that a lot. It puts a smile on my face. So we'll just start with the basics. Um, when did you begin your position at Atlantic Pro Wrestling? I came on to Atlantic Pro Wrestling um, as a partner in January of 2018. I actually, it's a funny story. I was going to start, um, I met with the previous owner, my pre- previous business partner, Joe Moakley, in December of 2017. I was just going to go on and be his social media guy because uh, he was horrible at promoting his events. And that showed the last few events of 2017 had maybe like 75, 50 people. So Brian introduced me, Brian Malonis, uh, which a lot of people in this area will know, introduced me to Joe and um, the rest is history from there. So I've been there. This is, you know, uh, the beginning of my fourth year as, as 
owner. Uh, Joe's no longer with the company, but we're, we're still moving forward. So that's kind of how I got involved. It was just going to be in charge of social media. And then um, the first show back in 2018, he just kind of announced to the locker room. He was like, gave the pre-show speech. It was like, oh, by the way, he's co-owner of APW. So it was, it was news to me that I was even co-owner at that point. So that that's kind of how I, I get into it. So I'm I'm a baby. I mean I'm I'm a greenie in this business. I've only been in since 2018. So, what are your first takes? Things that you didn't expect going into it. Uh, the hustle that goes into putting together a card. You know, tracking down talent. You know, negotiating with talent. Putting together a solid card that you put asses in seats with. Um, Things that, of that nature, you know, I had a, a pretty decent um, mentorship with Brian trying to teach me or explain to me what to look out for. I've also known Johnny Vegas, um, another New England legend in independent wrestling for 30 years. Um, so he was in my ear. And then uh, Stiff Mike or Apocalypse Mike King, um, who was training at the school, Wrestling Academy Revival. Um, kind of told me the same thing, you know, you just got to be straight with these people. Don't take their, take their bullshit and don't take them pushing back on you. You're the owner of the company, you know, it's going to be your way or they're not going to be booking, you're not going to be booking them. And that's kind of the, um, the approach I've taken from it. And it's worked because we've had a steady group of people um, on our roster that we use consistently, a lot of new faces, and I've never had an issue uh, with anyone. Uh, when it came to working uh, a working relationship. What are some goals you have as manager for APW for yourself and just for the company in general? Uh, for myself, it, it's obviously, you know, I want to be successful. I want to, when, when, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years ago go by and, you know, I've decided to leave APW, I leave it in a better place than when I found it. Um, I want it to be talked about as one of the, premier destinations here in the Northeast. Um, you know, obviously there are, there are the standard bearers, you know, you have beyond, you have limitless, you have chaotic. Um, and I, and I feel that we've improved our position in the short four years that I've been here. Um, and I want to continue to improve on that. And I think I've brought in a business partner who has over 20 years of experience in the business as a performer, um, as a manager, as a trainer, and now, you know, can, can apply that to, our, our show. I mean, so much so that we've already decided we're changing set plan, the set design, which is going to allow us to get more seats into our current building. We plan to expand in, in, into New Hampshire. We're looking at multiple venues in the state of New Hampshire. Um, and so next year, it's going to be a little bit different. Some, some will keep Newburyport, you know, that's our home, our home building. We're always going to be there. Uh, but then we're going to venture into New Hampshire because I'm, I'm a New Hampshire boy. I grew up in New Hampshire, left, went in the, to the military, came back, set down roots in New Hampshire. And I think New Hampshire needs consistent professional wrestling. So that's my personal goals uh, for the company. Um, but, and as for the talent, I just want talent that's going to come in and bust their ass for APW. Whether it's, we booked them for one show on a one-off because they're in town and, and we lucked out and we have them we have the ability to bring them in or if they're steady um, competitors that we use month over month over month. And I think that that's a thing that we've been able to do at APW is it feels like it's more of a family than a business that, you know, talent that respects the business comes in, puts on a kick-ass show for our fans um, and helps build the APW name so that again, People are contacting us and I'm not having to run around and try to contact wrestlers to come in and, and work my shows. Definitely. Yeah. As, as somebody myself, I mean, just in the year 2020, once, you know, the world of wrestling, the pandemic was kind of cooling off a little bit. That's when I really started getting into indie wrestling and APW is definitely one of those shows within the last year that really has gotten a lot of traction in this area. So like you said, with, with a lot of the big haters, like chaotic beyond limitless, all those guys, running new england but apw is a very strong contender to start getting their name in there are there any indie talents whether they are uh, new england based indie or even just outside of the new england area that you would like to get within apw let's say this year yeah i mean he's already been here once um and that's landon hale 
Um, he is from the South. He currently, uh, Georgia, Kentucky, um, trained by one of the Rock and Roll Express. He's moving to the Northeast. And, you know, he had a, an incredible match, probably contender for APW's match of the year against Owen Brody um, at the time, who was our New England champion. So he's someone I definitely want to get back in. Um, I've always been in love with uh, the, the look and the abilities of Alec Price. Uh, the prize, some other guys, you know, Charlie Cash, Ricky Smokes, so, you know, all the normal names that you hear in the area that don't necessarily work for APW or have worked for us consistently. These are all names. Um, we, you know, we're in the process of, of changing direction and, and potentially taking the women's division in a different direction. So it's going to kind of be off of mine and Sonny's plate. We're working with um, a New England pretty much a new england legend who we're going to kind of give the reins to and sh she's going to build out six months and we're going to see how it plays out and if that's good then that's one less thing that we have to worry about there are so many great names um it's just tough to get them all in here because it is you know like just the 19th of march alone i think there's like five shows within the new england area that anybody on our roster could have been booked at so and i think that that's we're good at is like we give our roster our schedule by like mid-november so we'll we're already looking at our dates for 2023 including shifting from four to five weeks between shows to down to three weeks we're planning to increase the volume of shows and rotating through a number of you know a number of buildings i think that's good and um Newbury Port Elk, that's a great location and a great venue, and I'm glad that you're still going to be staying there a lot, but I was thinking, like, looking through your cards, I'm like, it'd definitely be cool if they travel a little more, and it's cool that you want to get in New Hampshire, because um, then you just bring in different towns in your fan base, and that's a great thing to do. That's our goal, is, you know, right now, um, Newburyport, we can get 175 fans in there, uh, but with the redesign of the, the, um, the set, we're going to be able to add probably about another 50 seats. So now we're up to 225. And obviously our goal is when we're looking for new buildings is to, to be able to add, add seats for more asses. That's pretty much what we're planning to do is, you know, if we can consistently build 225 seats in Newburyport, okay, now maybe if we go to Seabrook, New Hampshire, and we can, we can have a venue that gets up to 350 people in the seats. And, and that's our goal. Maybe we can get you up to Hampton too. I remember my dad always telling me stories about going to see ECW shows up there. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, the, uh, the problem up in, the problem in Hampton uh, is the you know the there's a, only a few spaces to wrestle, and the casino ballroom is expensive to rent. So um, that, that 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 little a little bit out of our budget, but it's not it's not beyond it's not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, obviously, it's going to take some legwork to find what venues are available. Obviously there's elementary schools and stuff like that, that we can hold shows in. I just want to go back to one of the points you made about um, shortening the amount of time between shows. And one thing I think you've made it pretty obvious is APW is making strides in terms of how much outreach they're having on social media and just kind of the realm of the internet in general. I mean, you know, the, the internet is one of those crazy things for wrestling where it can really help you push storylines and really promote guys that don't really get the opportunity to really do that, be it on TV or anything like that. But speaking about TV, I mean, I know there's a lot of different channels coming out right now, like IWTV, or, you know, the, the various different shows that are on the Fight Network, or even just a Twitch channel. I know Chaotic's doing a lot with Twitch channels right now. Is that anything that you've been considering for APW or something that might be in the cards for you guys? Yeah, we actually, um, earlier this year, we actually had a deal with Fight Network, uh, Fight TV. Uh, we aired three shows live on Fight. Um, it didn't pan out financially for us. Um, and some people are saying that it's, you know, internally we weren't promoting enough and i don't feel that that's what it was i feel that it's if if you go back and look at the nights that we had our shows there was a gcw show on fight um empower was on the night one of the nights that we had a show so um i think also one of the nights it was one of those where aew decided to give away a, a pay-per-view in the united states on fight network so 
we were up against a lot and, and we were putting out, you know, close to a thousand dollars in production um, for a show to run live. <clears throat> so um, we, we chose to cut that budget for the time being. We are still recording our shows. We still have all the footage. We have a new team together that um, is a lot less expensive and, and has started editing our last show. Um, and, and we're looking at venues like uh, maybe a subscriber, a pay per you, a subscriber um, on IWTV or on Twitch or maybe even YouTube. You know, it, it's it's one of those. I, I would probably say you're probably going to see us doing something on Twitch before you would see us doing something anywhere else, um, because I've actually I I've been in contact with IWTV a number of times and I've never gotten a response. And, and I know that they put together a ton of content you know, across the United States. So maybe they just don't have room for us. Maybe they feel we're not big enough, you know, whatever it is. And, and that's fine. Uh, but we'll find another way to get our stuff out there where it can be seen across, you know, across the, the internet. And that is definitely something that's on our to-do list for the, by the end of this year. Yeah, I know Twitch has really been embracing the the wrestling on their platform. I I did streaming on Twitch for for a little bit, and it's it's really cool. It's an interesting platform and something that kind of you get a, like a lot of good connections with the fans and um, you know having like that live chat feature and everything like that too is really cool. I just want to ask a question uh, more about you than about APW right now. Um, I know we did touch on it a little bit um, about how you used to have um, a podcast regarding uh, MMA more specifically. Uh, when we were looking at your Twitter, uh, we see that you have a lot of followers who are UFC fighters. Uh, even Dana White himself uh, follows you on Twitter. I know you said that you actually had the chance to interview him. Big flex. <laughs> big flex. That is a really big flex. I wish I could have had the opportunity to. Uncle Dana is uh, quite the man. But what got you into UFC? Did you have any previous experience doing anything like an MMA or a BJJ or any sort of fight background? No. Um, honestly, it was uh, it was just the first season of The Ultimate Fighter. Uh, Forrest Griffith and Stefan Bonner. Um, watched that from start to finish every episode. <clears throat> then watched the finale. And, you know, had my Twitter started. Um, it actually boiled. It's weird because now when I look back on it, it was pretty petty. There was uh, another ta another MMA podcast out there that was abrasive to the MMA community and the fans that listen to their shows. And, you know, it, it was one of those you couldn't have an opposing point of view uh, without being name called or told you were stupid you didn't know anything um also played to the you know felt like the person played that they were like the insider like they had all of the the inside scoop so i actually under an anonymous name i went by spike d at the beginning um started up my mma power talk uh twitter page uh within Started it in like August. Uh, I don't even know. Whatever the date is, it says that I started my Twitter. I've been in. Um, so uh, within like the first three months, I had like 3,000 followers. And it, that was prepping for my first show. Our first show didn't go out until I want to say November. Um, and we ended up with, because of the format that we had, and, and we actually lucked out. We got, I got to, be, I got Frank Mir on the very first show in a couple of um, low, you know, when I say low level fighters, there were mid carters, pre-show guys um, on the show. And uh, my, my business partner or my, my co-host at the time was just, he hustled. Like I didn't have time because I, was, I had my wife and my, my daughter and a full-time job and he worked off shift. So when I was at work, he was busting out all kinds of, you know, um, all kinds of, uh, you know, social media burst to get the show up and running and um we lucked out and and ultimately the other show the one that kind of fed me into doing this went away and it, it kind of he kind of fizzled when we were both we both were literally trying to get dana white on the show and it was right um at a time they were coming to boston and conor mcgregor was going to be on the show and i reached out to him and, and just like a, hey dana i would love to have you on my show 
we, you know, my home city's Boston, you know, and the show's coming up and he literally goes, you're from Boston. He's like, and all of a sudden he's following me and DMing me and the rest is history. I mean, it was kind of weird because, you know, he calls into the show and then the woman goes, hold for Dana White. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll hold for Dana White. Um, and it was cool because we didn't even really talk about a whole lot of MMA. We talked about that card in Boston. And then we talked about how he went up to Maine and shot machine guns with the state police at his property up in Maine. So that's pretty much what the interview was about. It was literally like 15 minutes. And that show, ultimately, when I shut down the, um, when I shut down the platform, I think it had over, it had over like 80,000 listens, 80,000 streams that one episode. So it, it was cool. I mean, and then I just, you know, the UFC oversaturated everything and I was just like, I'm done with it. You know, it, it's just, there's there, they were having live events every, every night of the week. It was just, it just got too much for me. So kind of stepped back, mm. still watch it, still enjoy it. Just don't have the passion to, to talk about it anymore. Talking of UFC, just cause I'm, I'm we're both big fans. And um, is there, no, you said, you don't have to interest you a show anymore, but are there fighters that still really like interest you to watch? They just love seeing how dominant they are. Just big fans of their style. Um, Dustin Poirier is one of my favorites to watch. Colby Covington. Um, and believe it or not, I'm a, I'm a huge um, Paige Van Zant. I have been for years. And then obviously, you know, Misha Tate, I know she had a comeback and then I think she's now retired again. Um, I, I like a lot of the old classics, you know, that are still hanging on, probably shouldn't be, but are. Um, Cub Swanson, you know, those type of fighters. Frank Mir is one of my all-time favorites, just because he's he's like seven feet tall and he's probably one of the best jujitsu practitioners on the planet. Well, it must have been sick to have him on your show then. Yeah, it was, because he was so, he was just so down to earth you would think these guys that are in this sport that now are making so much money that they've struggled for years um and then you know they're at that point where it's you know with the proper sponsorship and stuff they're making millions of dollars they don't need to come on a little rinky dink podcast and and chat and, and that's what they did and i, I was lucky and you know it, you know it was right it was during a time when he was actually suffering from um, a knee injury where it was out so um, we got a lot we got to talk a lot about his rehab and, and what went into that and and that was shortly before the Brock Lesnar fight when he fought Lesnar in the first the first time Lesnar stepped in the cage and caught him with the with the uh, with the knee bar um, so but I mean that that fight hadn't been announced but I mean he was getting ready to come back and that ended up being his fight well that's that's just crazy <laughs> wow so we'll we'll shift gears back to APW here, and uh, I know before we before we got on today, we were talking a little bit about one of our previous guests, uh, who is a current active APW wrestler, and that's Tyler Nitro. Um, so we recently had Tyler on, and he had a, quite a lot to say about Nico Silva, and he spoke about how you know once he gets past Silva, which he's expecting to get past Silva at this point, uh, he's going to move on to his APW heavyweight title aspirations. Uh, what are you thinking about this current rivalry that Nitro and Silver are having? And, you know, is there any possibility one of them might be a number one contender if they come out on top of this feud? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're both, you know, highly competitive individuals, both at one point loved by the, well, and Nico is still loved by the APW um, uh, faithful. Tyler was um, till, till recently. And I think it really turned um, back in February when, you know, when he had to use, Unfortunately, Tony missed it, but he had to use the ropes to get the pinfall. Um, unfortunately, you know, we don't have replay in professional wrestling, so Tyler took the victory. Yeah, I mean, the thing that, that struck me in that interview that you had with Tyler is, one, the disrespect for Ilya Markopoulos. Ilya has carried our company, and he didn't even remember our current champion's name. That Couldn't even is, say it. Couldn't that, even right, say it. That, to me, is the ultimate disrespect by Tyler. I mean, don't get me wrong. Ilya is a dirtbag. Ilya is cunning. Ilya, Ilya will use brass knucks. Ilya will use the title, whatever he needs to do to get by. But, you know, Ilya, for all his negatives, he's carried this company back from, you know, as our champion through the pandemic. He was crowned our champion in October of 2020 when we were lucky enough to do a show in Derry, New Hampshire. 
Uh, he won it in a one-night tournament, and he's been our champion. He, he lost it for a short period of time to George Joel, and then um, he, he won it back. Um, but to me, Tyler doing that is disrespectful. Um, I do know that we, re we did release a video about a, about a week and a half ago where Nico Silva challenged Tyler to a best two out of three series. Um, so I will announce it right now. Tyler hasn't approved it, or Tyler hasn't agreed to it, but in order for Tyler to get to a heavyweight title shot, he is going to have to beat Nico Silva two out of three times. So on March 19th, back in Newburyport, it will be Nico Silva versus Tyler Nitro in a standard regular rules wrestling match. The winner of that match will pick the stipulation for match number two that will take place on uh, April 16th at Spring Loaded, Spring Loaded 11. And then so on. If the third match is, is necessary, the winner of match two will name the stipulation for match three. And at that point, that individual will take one step closer to facing Ilya, Ilya Mar, either Ilya Markopoulos or the Kingpin Brian Malonis. And Tyler, I will warn you, I did have some conversations with Brian about, about your name in his mouth. I would not want to go near him in our locker room on March 19th because, you know, uh, Brian's one of the nicest guys I know, but he's also one of the toughest guys I know. So I would watch whose, whose name you have in your mouth. That's all I have to say. Yeah, I mean, I'm a Tyler fan, and I'm rooting for Tyler here, but I wouldn't say picking the – Making Brian Malonis 6'4", over a 300-pound Brian Malonis mad is a good idea. <laughs> no, no, it is not. I, I would have to agree with you on that one, Juice. And Malonis is also a, uh, a former uh, guest of our podcast as well. And, and like you said, he is the nicest guy in the world, super down-to-earth, so much knowledge to give out to that locker room, but he has a mean streak, and you do not want to get on it. I 100% agree with you. So, Mike, for our listeners, uh, would you mind running through that March 19th APW card for us or uh, what's in, at least announced so far? Yeah, actually, everything's announced now that I just uh, told you about the, the Tyler Nitro match. Uh, let me just pull up. Uh, I, I have it memorized, but it's easier if I just scroll through the match cards. Um, so our, our main event is for the APW Heavyweight Championship. It's Ilya Markopoulos, student versus teacher will defend against the kingpin Brian Malonis. Um, I don't know if you know that, but Brian had a very big hand in training Ilya. Um, we have Vern Vicalo returning from shoulder injury, suffered back in February um, against an up-and-comer we have on our roster, Cassius Hall. Very athletic individual. Looking That, that match is going to be incredible. Uh, then we have OP, which is uh, the... Original Prestige, which is Matt Magnum and H2O Ryan Waters, uh, will be facing uh, one half of Nightbreed, Setherin, uh, because Gallo is still not cleared to wrestle and we don't have a time frame as to when he will be returning. Um, and he has a mystery partner. He hasn't told us who it is. He refuses to tell us who it is. Uh, we will know when that person walks through the curtain on that night. Um, then we have Congo. Um, with Ed Hunt. Ed Hunt is not in action. I will just clear that up. The wording is a little weird, yeah. uh, but Congo will be in action against an unnamed opponent. You know, uh, Ed's bringing someone in, so we'll have to see. Um, Vanity Vixen will be returning to APW, um, and she'll be wrestling Sarah Jade. And then we have uh, Kid V versus Sean Vegan Keegan. Um, a little bit of uh, singles action there. As I just announced in the first of three, first of a, a two out of three series match, Tyler Nitro versus Nico Silva. And then the final match, which is the match that I'm looking forward to the most, um, is Randy Rivera, our current New England champion, is wrestling Scott Reed, um, who's, a, who's a veteran of the, the New England um, independent scene. He's wrestled for Chikara, wrestled over in Japan, and that to me could steal the show. I mean, uh, back in January, I believe it was, or maybe February, um, Scott wrestled Cassius Hall at the time he was going by Cam Velocity, and it was it it, it was match of the night in my opinion for uh, 
a rookie and a, and a veteran to go out there and, and knock the house down. So, so that's the full show, uh, eight solid matches. Plus I'm going to be, um, I just announced right before we came on, um, I'm going to announce all eight teams that are in our tag team title tournament that will be starting in April. So I'll be announcing that on the show um, on all eight teams live in Newburyport. Um, they won't all be there, but I'll be making that announcement um, in the building live that evening. So I was at, I was at the, the last show and um, you talked about the tournament that didn't um, unleash all the names yet. Can you just do a little recap of the guys who are known so far? We know Miracle Generation. Yeah, Miracle Generation, uh, they will be in the first round. They will be coming back in the first round in May. Um, we, had to, we had to make some changes. Um, MAD, the Mutual Assured Destruction, which is Rip Bison and Perry Von Vicious, um, unable to make it and unable to be in the tournament. Um, so we have uh, Slaughterhouse, is, um, that's Max Smash Master and Mortar. Uh, will be on in the first round at October 16th. Um, OP, Matt Magnum and H.O. Brian Waters, or Ryan Waters, excuse me, will be wrestling uh, Ryan's protégés, Ryan's students, Waves and Curls um, in, the, in the first round. So right now, those are the, the three teams. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the team that's replacing uh, MAD is the Brick City Boys from New Jersey. Uh, so they will be wrestling Slaughterhouse on August on, on April 16th. So our April 16th is one of our flagship shows. It's spring loaded. Um, that show is stacked from top to bottom. If whoever comes out the heavyweight champion in March will be will be wrestling Dirty Dango in April for the APW heavyweight championship. So whether that's Brian Malonis or Ilya Markopoulos, they have a former WWE. Um, competitor, multi-time tag team champion, um, standing in their way on April 16th. Yeah, April 16th, when you see those matches come out one by one as we move forward, um, that, that card is, is uh, just, it's going to be eight matches again, uh, but it is, it's, it's jam-packed. Um, so we have the two first-round tournament matches, which is the OP versus Waves and Curls, Slaughterhouse versus Brickhouse Boys, and then whomever comes out heavyweight champion uh, will face Dirty Dango on that, on that show on April 16th. Those draw alone, just those three matches, I mean, we don't know the heavyweight matches specifically, but any of either of the two facing Dango, that's going to be great. And the tag matches, those are great. I've seen Waves and Curls, and I've seen uh, Brick City Boys, they're both amazing, and Miracle Generation. Well, all four tag teams are extremely fun to watch. Yeah, no, I was, you know, I was extremely impressed with both Kylon King and Dustin Waller in their APW debuts, and, and they both uh, seem to be drawn. You know, our fans were drawn to them, um, so I, I'm looking forward to having them back, but this time as a tag team. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be. The next few months here in APW are going to be probably some of the best months consecutively that we've had, um, leading all the way up to Super Summer Smash in August, which is when we'll crown our new tag team champions. I'm extremely excited for that, and I'm excited to see what the other four teams in the tournament are. That I can hardly wait. <laughs> well, there are, there are certainly there are some surprises, um, but it's it's a solid tournament. All eight teams deserve to be there um in, in my opinion um so yeah i mean they'll all be announced on march 19th so if you're listening and you're in the new england area make sure to go march 19th new, it's newburyport right yeah newburyport the newburyport elks on low street absolutely Mike, well, as we kind of get closer to the end of our podcast here, we typically have a question that we ask all of our guests, but um, I more just want to ask this question to you. You yourself have never had in-ring action. Is that correct? I have never competed as, a, as an active professional or as a professional wrestler in ever. No, no. Because by the time I got involved in professional wrestling, I was uh, 46, uh, well, let's say 418. 
yeah, I was 40, 45 years old. I was just about to turn uh, 44, whatever. I don't know. I'm going to be 49 this August or this April, excuse me. But it, it's been eating at me the last few months or the, actually the last year or so. Um, and I sat down with my business partner and, and we're actually going to uh, be putting together a documentary, which is going to follow. Uh, we're going to film everything. We're going to film. Uh, we're going to film my workouts at the gym. We're going to film my DDPY yoga. I don't know if you can see my hat, but it's. Um, I, I did. That's what I. That's what I did. I lost like seventy pounds during COVID just doing DDP yoga. Um, we're going to tape my yoga sessions. We're going to use Next Gen Pro Wrestling Center up in Manchester, which is owned by. Um, Bud Gardner, which is who also known as Gallo from Nightbreed. Um, and, you know, he's got some great trainers up there and Mike Hollow and Scott Reed. But my primary trainer is going to be Sonny Goodspeed, who's my business partner. Um, so we're going to have a lot of footage from there. We're going to do the whole confessional thing where, you know, I sit down and, and bear my feelings about how the training's going. Um, so we're going to tape, we're going to start filming that immediately following the March show. And it's going to go through August and we're hoping to release it sometime in early 2023. Um, but it's kind of, it's kind of like a personal journey for me. Uh, but it's, it's also more so a, 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 we want it to be come off as no matter how old you are, no matter how, you know, much of a struggle things are, if you put your mind to something, you can, you can do it. Um, and ultimately what it's going to lead to is um, in, in, October, we have an annual battle royal, um, and I will be entering that battle royal as part of the thing. That'll be my one um, venture into the professional wrestling ring as a competitor. Um, I oh, and, and a lot of that is due to be my age. I mean, I'm almost 49 years old. I don't need to be eating up wrestling, eating up wrestling matches on my on my shows when I have a whole lot of you know. There's so much fucking talent that is so unbelievable they don't need a 49 year old eating up a spot so it you know that that's the ultimate goal is to prove that no matter what you do no matter how old you are no matter what you're because i'm not in the greatest shape uh, i'm going to start training to run another half marathon in november this is all part of it's all going to be part of the the, the uh, documentary that we're going to do so you're going to see me if i whack my head when i'm taking a bump you're going to see it uh, in the documentary if i get hurt we're going to talk about it so yeah no i have not been in the ring ever to this point but um hopefully with everything knock on wood you know that um the training will go well and and in october i'll step through the ropes i'll have my five minutes ten minutes in the match and i'll have lived my dream I love that. Honestly, I, I really love the stories of people just going and following their dreams. And it's even more amazing that you guys are documenting the whole entire process of it. I mean, it, it's, it's just a beautiful thing. Those, those things like documentaries. I mean, even we see it kind of with like the WWE 24s or the 365s, you know, just the pure raw emotion. Cause I know we were saying this to a little bit last week to Tyler too. It's, it's nice when you hear the emotion that somebody talks about pro wrestling, because while people are characters and these larger than life people, you know, they are, behind the character people at the end of the day and right. you know they all have hard journeys to get to where they're at and you know, it's really amazing to hear to hear your story and i i'm definitely for sure going to be tuning in when i hear that documentary comes out yeah i mean i'm excited for it um i i figure now is better than than never because again i'll be 49 this you know in april in just a just a few weeks a few months a month or so um and um it's either now or never. Cause once I hit 50, it's just like, phew, my body's just, I'm going to run. That's about all I'm going to do when I turn 50, you know, I'm going to stay in shape so I can live long. You know, I have two daughters. I have one that's in her twenties and has her own daughter and has another, you know, has another baby on the way. And then I have my other daughter who's getting ready to go off to college. I need to be here for them. So, um, and I want to enjoy retirement with my wife. I don't want to cripple my, you know, get hurt and at age 50. And then my wife has to push me around Disney world in a friggin' carrot in a, in a wheelchair. Um, so, you know, it's now or never, you know, if I, you know, if I, hopefully I make it through, if I don't, I get hurt. I can't continue. Then I won't continue. But uh, my plan is to, to see this through to fruition and, and then put it out there for everybody to see. Could you see how you feel about being in competitor after? Because I mean, 
stories of hearing people taking their bumps and taking bumps just to start out it's tough to really get used to it i will i will one well yeah i mean and that's the biggest thing like when i started working with apw uh joe moakley had a school it was called wrestling academy revival it was located in the back of us in the storage room of a yoga and a personal trainers uh they own the front um and he lewis ortiz demon ortiz who's a friggin unbelievable legend in in new england professional wrestling new england pro, pro wrestling hall of famer was the trainer he had me doing a few i try i was like i want to learn this i want to do the bumps i want to do the you know the the lock ups the hammer locks the you know all that i took three bumps on the second on the third one i i jacked my head boom got a concussion or felt like i got a concussion and at that point i was just like no but we didn't have a flexi beam ring I know they bump a little bit different. We had a stiff spring ring, but we also now, you know, Bud's done a great job of having additional equipment. So there'll be additional padding till I can get down, you know, and, and you know, to remember to tuck my chin. So I'm not necessarily going to be, as I go through the beginning, beginning phases, I'm not going to be bumping directly on a, uh, you know, a wood, you know, a wood platform. I'm going to have extra padding underneath me till I can get everything in order. That's, that's the plan anyway. Yeah, I know. I I, not, I almost knocked myself out, and now I'm getting ready to film a documentary. You guys are like this. You're like this motherfucker is crazy. <laughs> I mean, good way we like crazy. Yeah, you are the co-owner of, of of a pro wrestling company. I I would hope that you have a little bit of crazy in you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. As a matter of fact, the funny thing is, is every pre-show we tell our fans, our our, our you know our our talent, we're like. No swearing, family friendly, no blood, no, no, you know, no nut shots, whatever it is. And I'm the first one that goes out there and drops ass shit. Yeah. My, every time I go back to the curtain, they look at me, they're like, there's no swearing. I'm like, yeah, I guess I'm the owner of the company. I can swear. Uh, but I really shouldn't, you know, if I, I shouldn't, if I, whatever I ask of them, I should be doing for myself. But it is, it is pretty funny that I tell them not to swear. And then I go out there and you know, drop one of the, the wor seven words that were never allowed on TV, as George Carlin put it. That's funny because that actually kind of changes my pers my uh, perspective of something that happened in the last APW show I went to. <laughs> it was when you came out and you announced the the first couple matchups of the tag tournament. And, um, you know, the Ryan Waters and um, they were having, you know, doing their little cowardly little things and uh, brawling. Well, you swore make an announcement and he um they like smiled and i thought it was more like just smiling like oh what's this guy talking about but i think it's probably a smile that oh he did it he swore <laughs> yeah, more than likely more than likely i i, I have i've luckily i've never dropped the f-bomb in front of kids and and that's you know i uh, the month before uh Vern injured his shoulder and and Ilya just you know, Max Smashmaster went out and, and challenged Ilya. You know, I, I, I caught myself. I was about to say the biggest motherfucker in the room, but I was like, biggest mf -er in the in the back. <laughs> I was like, yeah, better catch myself. I don't want the kids to think I'm a jackass. I've already sworn way too much on this podcast, for crying out loud. My business partner is going to listen to me and be like, you can never do this again. <laughs> we told you you were allowed to at least so you can blame it on us <laughs> but trust me i will <laughs> you some bill told me i could swear as much as i wanted <laughs> well mike we we won't want to incriminate you anymore so uh as we get to the last minute of our podcast here uh we just like to let our guests plug promote anything they have going on um obviously we talked about uh, the shows you guys have been coming up, uh, both in March and April, but um, anything else there is that you want to plug, promote, the floor is yours. Yeah, um, a couple, you know, March 19th, Newburyport Elks, um, you know, main event, Ilya Markopoulos versus Brian Malonis, um, and then seven other incredible cards, plus the return of Vanity Vixen, which I know will, will appease a lot of our um, our loyal fans who, who love Jen and love Vanity. Um, and then, um, uh, in addition to the August 16th show, we have a dirty dango seminar prior to the show for any actively performing or training 
uh, wrestlers. It's forty dollars. It's from twelve to two. You get to come and and pick the brain of somebody who's competed at the highest level. I mean, there are very few people that debut at WrestleMania and get to beat somebody at the caliber of Chris Jericho. So, if you know, I, I'm going to be there. I'm going to listen and soak in as much as I can. Uh, but you know, it's both in ring and discussion and, and philosophy. So definitely um, I would encourage any wrestler that hears this to sign up and they can do that right on our website. Um, it's just atlanticprowrestling.com. And that's where fans can go to buy tickets for upcoming events. Front row sold out uh, for March 19th, reserve second row are going very quickly. Um, so I would jump on that. Uh, we typically sell out all close to 175 seats. Um, so uh, again, March 19th is tough. I know one of our, our, my good friends is running a show in Peabody, so it's not too far. Um, but we, you know, that, that's what we got coming up, March 19th. And then, um, you know, I kind of touched on August 16th, which is Spring Loaded 11. Just to clarify, April 16th. April 16th. When I say August, I've been doing that the whole show. August, April, August, April, April 16th, uh, spring loaded 11. Yes. All right, Mike. Well, we just want to say thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you, talking both APW and your journey uh, to get to where you are now. And all of it's definitely really inspiring and definitely looking forward to the shows coming up and definitely looking forward to that documentary too. Yeah. Well, I had a great time. I appreciate you both having me on and, and hopefully we can do this again sometime. Sure. I definitely think that documentary is going to be really interesting. I like the concept of somebody who's chasing their dreams at the age of nearly 50, somebody who is willing to go through the trials and tribulations that is pro wrestling training. And you hear it all the time. A lot of wrestlers talk about that. You have a bump card, quote unquote, something that, uh, you know, you only get a limited number of bumps before your body just gives out on you. And, to do that at nearly 50, I mean, I'm 25 and I still wake up some mornings if I roll out of bed the wrong way with a sore neck or a sore back. So I can only imagine what doing that at 50 is like. Like, I'm already feeling like an old man. Like, my shoulder pops, like, all the time now. So I can't imagine what it's going to be like at 50. I'm not going to be able to walk, dude. <laughs> so power to him that he's going to go in the ring and he's training and um, working his ass off. Mike's the man. Um, hardworking dude in and out of the ring for sure yes i mean there's so many things about apw and the first thing that comes off so so clearly is the passion that mike has for apw i mean he he's taken a company that um, i know you and i have actually had a conversation about um you know how they haven't really utilized things like social media in the past and how it's kind of one of his biggest focuses right now something that um, you know, getting getting butts in seats, you know, changing the set design so he can have another 50, 70 people come into the venue to watch his show. I mean, you know, that's that's something to me that just oozes passion, you know, oozes oozes a drive for the company to be better. And I think that everybody involved with APW, from the wrestlers that we've talked to, to the legends we've talked to, to now Mike himself. I mean, APW is on the come up in a really tough in world in the new england indies i mean like like we talked about in the interview you know there's really three or four companies that are running the show right now but i think apw has the makings to to really make an impact in this part of the country i feel like even with those big ones there's still plenty of room for other companies to succeed too like uh top rope attracts fans apw does and i think there's room for growth for all of them um, because there's a lot of people that are wrestling fans that just aren't going to indie shows and in and not just New England area, just in general, <clears throat> that if they go to one, I think they'll get hooked quickly because I got hooked quickly to indie shows and I'm not going to stop going to indie shows. Even, I mean, am I moving on New England and that sucks? <laughs> but like when I come back to New England, if there's an indie show, I'm going to make it my mission to go. And when I moved to the Vegas, I'll make my mission to go to indie shows out there too. Because they're just a different, you feel a lot more involved in the show with the wrestlers and it's just a cool atmosphere and a, a lot different atmosphere than the big shows and For still sure. provide huge quality matches too. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've seen some of the best wrestling matches I've seen in indie wrestling in this area. I mean, like, I'll never forget seeing Jeff Cobb versus Wheeler Yuta. Like, that is one of my favorite matches that I got experience live, literally feet away from the ring, and got to meet both those guys after the match, too. And, you know, like, both super cool down-to-earth guys. And there really is nothing like that. Like, there really is nothing like an indie wrestling experience. And if you guys have an experience your own local indies, they exist, more than likely, unless you're from Montana, like Tyler Nitro said. <laughs> But, you know, definitely check them out. There's a lot of great wrestling, a lot of up and coming guys. And who knows, you might buy a $10 signature tomorrow. That is worth $500 after the guy wins the WWE title at WrestleMania. You never know. Yeah, it's, it's very true. It's not like, I mean, think about it. Daniel Bryan's one of the biggest wrestlers in the world. Where'd he start? The Indies. Punk too. Um, a shitload of people. I can I could go on for hours. Yes. So go to indie shows and also like uh, tweet us or um, your indie favorite indie experiences or matches you've seen at local indies near you and shout out some of your local promotions that don't get talked enough that, you know, deserve a little more even national attention or just bigger attention, bigger crowd. For sure. For sure. And where can people tweet us, post, DM us, comments? Where, where can they do that, Juice? On the Twitter, the Twitter. That's T-O-T-C, all capitalized, underscore, cap P, lowercase O, lowercase D. Switched it up a little bit on you. Uh, and Instagram, it's T-O-T-C, underscore, P-O-D. Uh, it's all lowercase because it has to, as I've said nine billion times before. Because Instagram, again, as I've said before, hates capital things. That damn Instagram. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, as we come crashing down to the map on this episode of Top of the Cage, we want to thank you all again for listening. If you guys are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, make sure you guys are giving us a five-star review because if you do not leave us a five-star review, you, specifically you, the person not leaving that five-star review, are not going to get five-star content. And I'll come to your house and powerbomb you through your table. I've seen him do it. I've seen them do it. But ladies and gentlemen, again, thank you so much for tuning into this episode and we hope to catch you next time.